on this Friday, April 22nd, as we are a couple weeks away from WWE Backlash, something that I don't even want to talk about right now because uh, it's touching a nerve. The entire state of WWE is touching a nerve right now to me, and I'd rather just not get into it because that will probably be saved for the next time I do a show with Matt, which I'm hoping to do this Monday, obviously, with Easter being last week. Last weekend, rather, we missed our show this past week, but looking to get that one back on the rails this coming Monday. But as always, we're going to go back in time here on WWE Retro to the year 2004 and early 2005 to cover something I don't believe Matt's ever talked about. I certainly haven't talked about it at length. I covered it a bit in one of my old Rivalries episodes, but not in quite the detail that I'll be getting into today. And that is the the WWE Championship run of John Bradshaw Layfield. And this is a title run that was the only WWE Championship run for JBL. It was the only time that he was a bona fide, bona fide rather, main eventer in his career. And a title run that isn't talked about a lot. A lot of people probably disagreed with it. I remember when it first started and it first got underway, I was certainly skeptical of it, and I was also 10 years old, so take that for what it's worth, but I've obviously gone back and watched it a lot over the years. This was arguably the most I was ever invested into the product, watching it, you know, religiously from week to week to week, and I think that that entire title run really kind of helped guide SmackDown through a very big transitional phase during the Ruthless Aggression era. Because if you go look at SmackDown from when it started, the brand split that is, from mid-2002 to early to mid-2004, it was predominantly dominated by Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar. You had a cup of coffee of the big show as the WWE champion. Obviously, The Rock was the undisputed champion for a brief period in the summer of 2002. But that was still when the brand split was very fresh and there was no world title over on Monday Night Raw. But when it really started to pick up steam, the brand split that is, something that seems to be going by the wayside in the current product of WWE, but like I just said, not going to get into that. I'll go down a horrible, horrible rabbit hole. You had a main event card that was dominated by Brock and Kurt Angle. They main evented WrestleMania 19. They main evented on the SmackDown side of things, SummerSlam in 2003. You had Taker kind of challenge Brock at back-to-back No Mercies in 02 and 03. You had Kurt Angle in the main event against Brock, um, 
in against uh, Chris Benoit at the Rumble in 2003. You had Brock successfully defend the championship against Eddie, uh, against uh, Hardcore Holly at the Rumble in 2004. But you pretty much had a 15-month run there, save for a couple-week title run by the big show post-Survivor Series 2002, dropping it at Armageddon 2002, where the title was either on Kurt Angle or Brock Lesnar at all times. And for a lot of the period, you had both of them simultaneously battling it out. Then you move on to No Way Out 2004, where Eddie Guerrero wins the championship from Brock Lesnar, goes on, successfully defends it against Kurt Angle at WrestleMania 20. Brock loses on his way out of the company to Goldberg. Kurt Angle takes some time off from an in-ring competitor, transitions to the temporary general manager of SmackDown when he was in the wheelchair. And all of a sudden, the main event of SmackDown is completely empty. It's a waste baron. Yeah, you have the impromptu run of Eddie Guerrero, the lovable babyface who the crowd was completely behind. But after that, there were not a lot of competitors and contenders to get thrusted into the main event on SmackDown. You obviously had The Undertaker, but he was fresh off returning off of a four-month hiatus at WrestleMania 20, coming back as the dead man for the first time since 1999. And he wasn't going to be a guy as a babyface to go against Eddie Guerrero, who was a red-hot babyface at this time. So you weren't going to go back to the big show because the big show was a mid-card heel at this time, dropping the belt, the U.S. title rather, to John Cena at WrestleMania 20 in the opening match. A-Train? No, not really. So who were you going to turn to? Well, WWE decided to pull off an impromptu move, a move that I don't think anyone saw coming, and turn to a guy who had been with the company for almost a decade. A guy that we knew back then as Bradshaw, but we had known him for, I would say, just about five years as part of the APA slash Acolytes alongside Farouk. And alongside Farouk, you were used to him drinking beer, playing poker in the back, a lot of times with women, and typically as a babyface, you know, the Acolyte Protection Agency. They had been long-standing babyfaces in the tag team division. One of the more underrated tag teams during an era where there was just so many elite-level tag teams, like Edge and Christian, the Dudley Boys, the Hardys. Then you had more fresher tag teams come up, like La Resistance, the Hurricane and Rosie, uh, the Basham Brothers, Rikishi and Too Cool reunited to go on a run with the tag belts around this time. Like, in an era... In the late Attitude and early Ruthless Aggression era where tag teams were just so, you know, hot and there were so many good ones, they, they really stood the test of time and they were one of the top tag teams for a lot of years. But following WrestleMania 20, the WWE decided to pull the trigger on making Bradshaw a, a single star. On screen, Farouk gets fired, Bradshaw gets to keep his job. And he debuts his first appearance as no longer Bradshaw, but John Bradshaw Layfield. And as a guy who really liked the APA and I really liked Bradshaw, getting used to him as a single star 
and more so a heel and even more so in the main event was going to take a lot of getting used to. But as soon as he debuted for the first time, you knew that they had something in the works. Simon and Schuster out, and I'm writing another book right now on keeping America strong. I've got a radio show that starts May 1st. We're going to talk about politics. We're going to talk about finances. You people are going to love this radio show. I have become the top financial analyst on network TV. Fox News loves to have me on. I could not, I simply could not walk away from all that I've got. You people, get off your high horse. You people would have done the exact same thing that I did, giving the opportunity. If you'd have been in my shoes, which you're not, you people would have done the same thing. You see, it's time that you people quit listening to your little Sunday school fairy tales. It's time you start listening to a guy like Prince Machiavella who will tell you that there is no wrong and there is no right in society, that people do things because they want something back. There is simple cause and effect. You see, I understand that. That is why people like me are people that run businesses. People like me are people that run industries. People like me are people that run governments. I, the only thing I sold was stock about two weeks ago before terrorism scared the market and I made a hell of a lot of money. So you can stop the you sold out chance right now. I have always been smarter. I have always been better. And I have always worked harder than anybody else around me. That is why I have always been considered an impact player. My picture hangs in my old high school. My picture hangs in my old college. Look it up, it's a matter of history. I don't have to pad my resume. Normal people are astounded by my resume because normal people never let their dreams get beyond their front door because they are scared of failure. I have never been scared of failure, and I have never failed. I have succeeded in everything but one thing, and that is wrestling, because I thought it was more important to have a good time, to drink beer, to play cards, to visit our troops. Well, I want to tell you something that's good and fine, but that ain't got me jack. So something's fixing to happen around here. You're fixing to see an impact. And if you know anything about history, you know this. What I say I do, and what I do, I do very, very well. So get ready for the impact that's coming. Buckle your seats, boys and girls. Business is about to pick up. Well, as far as I'm concerned, Bradshaw's already made an impact. So a completely different Bradshaw that we had been accustomed to since 
I don't know, 1996, I believe is when he debuted as um, Black Ace Bradshaw or whatever he was when he first showed up. And he was always kind of had the cowboy gimmick. But like he said, he was more concerned with drinking beer and playing cards in the back. And he put a clear divide between him and the fans right away. You know, putting himself on a high horse, referring to them as you people, talking about his book, his financial book, um, his advice on Wall Street and all this. And they take an approach with this kind of heel that we really hadn't been used to on over on SmackDown. Like on Raw, you kind of had that holier than now Triple H coming out with Evolution, the suit, that type of approach. And they tried it over on SmackDown. And the heel got over pretty well. The heel heat, rather. And Bradshaw was kind of this guy, JBL, that is, that he really towed the line between mega heel heat without crossing over into go away heat, at least for me. Like, you wanted to see him get his ass kicked so bad, but it wasn't to the point where it was channel changing. And I think one of the things that got Bradshaw over JBL so uh, it's so weird to go from back from JBL to Bradshaw or whatever. But what got him over so quickly as a main eventer in my eyes was the first match he had with Eddie Guerrero at Judgment Day 2004. That match, you know, the chair shots, the blood, it may be the bloodiest match I've ever seen. I would highly suggest everyone go back and watch that match as JBL would actually win via disqualification. And... You know, on the surface, Judgment Day being main evented by JBL and Eddie Guerrero for the WWE Championship, two guys that were had been long-standing tag team competitors during the better part of the Ruthless Aggression era. You know, for the entirety of 2003, they were in Los Guerreros and the APA respectively, and now on the second SmackDown exclusive pay-per-view of 2004, they're main eventing it for the most prestigious title that the company has to offer. So I'm not going to lie, it took me a bit to buy into this. It took me a bit to be like, well, why were these two guys fighting for the tag titles, you know, less than a year ago? And now I'm supposed to buy that they're vying for the most coveted prize in the industry. But that match... That was a gruesome, gruesome title match. That the blood, like the amount of blood that these two guys, you know, yielded, I guess, or bled, however you want to, whatever verb you want to use, really got me to buy in to both of them for that matter. You know, Eddie Guerrero, I mean, I think everyone was behind Guerrero at this point. I don't think it, he needed it. But JBL did. I think JBL after this match got the attention of people like, okay, this guy, this guy is willing to do what it takes, both like in terms of kayfabe and in real life, because you kind of were wondering like, okay, he's a longstanding vet in the company for sure, been a good soldier for them, been in the APA for God knows how many years, consistent worker and all that. But what did he do to deserve to be thrusted into the main event scene? And I'm sure a big part of that was just out of necessity. They just completely had nobody else. And they couldn't just run Guerrero and Kurt Angle into the ground. And especially Kurt Angle. Like, you know, there there's many, and myself included, that thought that, you know, you could have had Kurt Angle go on this title run instead of John Bradshaw Layfield. 
that you could have had Kurt Angle carry them through the post-Brock Lesnar era. Like, Kurt Angle was good enough to do it, but how long would they have had to run Kurt Angle into the ground? And as we knew that when he left the company two years later in 2006, part of it was because of the heavy workload. And that was them riding him at oftentimes not even carrying a world title. So... They took a calculated risk with JBL, and the first pay-per-view was a major success, winning by disqualification, which led to him getting a second opportunity at the WWE Championship against Eddie Guerrero. This time versus Eddie Guerrero in a Texas bull rope match at the Great American Bash. And I remember watching this live very vividly. It was right around my birthday as the Great American Bash always was in late June. And I remember being truly shocked with the outcome. Is the new 
WWE Champion, John Bradshaw Layfield. Oh my God, wow. So JBL wins on a technicality and, <laughs> you know, I don't think I've ever seen a heel win the title for the first time in a more heat-building way because you think Eddie Guerrero has retained his championship, then Kurt Angle comes out, and on a technicality, John Bradshaw Layfield wins the championship because his shoulder touched first against the turnbuckle. And again in this match, like JBL was pouring blood here. You want to talk about a crimson mask? To quote John, uh, JB, um, JR, my God, so many J's. <laughs> but JBL, you know, I mean, he, he put in the work and he really kind of sold you that he was all in on this. And they put the strap on him and off to the races we were with John Bradshaw Layfield as the champ. And the thing is, is that he was a guy that was winning in the most heelish of ways. You know, J uh, Eddie Guerrero gets his rematch on SmackDown um, as the in a cage match, and he retains with the help of Kurt Angle, who was masked at the time, goes on to face The Undertaker at SummerSlam, and ends up winning by disqualification against The Undertaker. I remember that match ended with him getting choke slammed through the roof of his limousine. Goes on to another match with The Undertaker at No Mercy no mercy in a last ride match, which was kind of the same concept as an ambulance match. You had to put your opponent in the back of a hearse and then close the door. And with the help of Heidenreich, I don't know if you guys remember him, the crazy German guy who eventually became part of the Legion of Doom, JBL retains the championship again in the last ride match. And then you go on to Survivor Series, where he goes one-on-one -on -one with Booker T. Another match with that by Hooker Crook, he retains the WWE Championship. So you have a five-month run now where JBL cannot get a clean win, but at every turn he's finding a way to retain the WWE Championship. And then we get to Armageddon 2004. As all of JBL's rivalries today kind of come to a head, and you have him in a fatal four-way match against The Undertaker, Booker T, and Eddie Guerrero. And now you're starting to creep into WrestleMania season. Who knows, is JBL really going to be the guy to take his championship, take the championship into WrestleMania? And I thought that maybe he was going to drop the championship here. Maybe it was going to be Undertaker. Maybe it was going to be Eddie Guerrero. Did not really think much of Booker T at that time. He was still a babyface um, before the King Booker experience. But lo and behold, again, to end this match, we had JBL find a way to sneak out a victory. And now it's the Undertaker rolling. New champ coming, bro. New champ coming. Drop in the leg. Here's the cover by The Undertaker. Shoulders down again, and Booker T pulled him off the cover. How is this thing? Better yet, when? How is this going to end? No clue. I don't know who is in, who's the favorite right now. I thought the end was near about five or six times a long uh -oh. time ago. Well, the end may be near for Booker T. Booker T. Shot slammed by The Undertaker. Watch out, Eddie. Oh, no. Oh, no. Another <laughs> choke slam. 
and the champion. He's got him, Cole. JBL headshot by the Undertaker. The Undertaker says it's over. There it is. The Undertaker says it's over right here, right now. And JBL is being hunted down now by the dead man. And Book the champion, Bookie's down, and he's down. Going for the tombstone. Wait a minute, what the hell are they? What the Again, finds a way, capitalizing off the interference of Heidenreich, taking The Undertaker out of the equation to retain the WWE Championship. And, you know, this would lead into his next title defense at the Royal Rumble in 2005, where he was in a triple threat match against The Big Show and Kurt Angle. And again, in similar fashion, you have an incident where The Big Show's kind of dominating, and obviously... JBL had his lackeys at this time, right? You know, he had the chief of staff, Orlando Jordan, and the Basham brothers kind of as his heavies. And Kurt Angle had Mark Jindrak and Luther Reigns. So in during this triple threat match with Big Show and Kurt Angle, all hell kind of breaks loose. Luther Reigns and Mark Jindrak take the fight to the Big Show outside the ring. Orlando Jordan as well. And JBL, who was kind of incapacitated on the outside after being knocked through the security wall by the Big Show, I believe he had hit him with a spear, kind of like what we see from Roman Reigns at uh, every, you know, pay-per-view match now, it seems. Uh, the Bashams help him get back into the ring, clotheslines Kurt Angle, and he retains the championship again. And then we get him with his final title defense 
before WrestleMania 21. And this is No Way Out 2005 against The Big Show. And this would be the first ever, and I'm not sure if we would ever see this again, a barbed wire steel cage match where the top of the the cage was wrapped in barbed wire as he would go one-on-one with the Big Show for the WWE Championship. And I don't know if everyone really expected the Big Show to win this. Um, John Cena had just become the number one contender for the WWE Championship earlier that night, winning a, um, a series or a tournament, rather, to get that privilege heading into WrestleMania 21. But the way this match would end was really a personification of JBL's entire WWE Championship reign. That's a lot of punnage up there! Bradshaw bounced off the steel of the top of that cage. And again, the open wound. Oh my God, skull first. And the, that razor wide of Bob is up there. A third God. time bounced off the steel support beam. Oh my God, this is just... JBL viciously assaulted, trying to battle back against the challenger. And a thumb to the eye by the champion. Both men on the top rope, bounce himself. All about survival here, ladies and gentlemen. All about the WWE title. All about WrestleMania's main event. One of these two men will defend the title at WrestleMania. Against John Cena. We know Cena's in the main event. As Big Show and JBL battle on the top rope. Well, we know... We know, I, I, I mean, this thing here is like a car wreck, Cole. I mean, both men bleeding bed. They're trying to find a, trying to find a way out. You hit, trying to find a, an opening on the top of that cage, but there isn't it. Oh no, this thing is just this barbed wire everywhere. Oh my! Uh oh! Look at this! Got a goosel. Big Show's got JBL. He's in trouble. So I'm going to stop it right there quickly. As JBL, who is trying to escape through the top of the cage with bolt cutters to try and cut the barbed wire, gets <laughs> intercepted by the Big Show. And they're both bloody messes at this time, right? And <laughs> just the image of both these two heavy guys, you know, probably a combined 700 pounds on the top rope, pouring blood from their respective faces. And then the Big Show hits him with a choke slam through the ring. He goes right through the ring. But now Big Show is left with a quandary because you can't escape the cage. As in this particular cage match, the, the door was locked shut with the chain. As it should be in every cage match in my opinion. And you couldn't go over the top because you had the barbed wire wrapped around. Well, Big Show had a way because he couldn't get... Bradshaw to be to pin him because he was now under the ring he had another way to try and escape the cage how's he doing here trying to bust the lock big show did he just bust the chain no he didn't did he yes he did the big show just busted the chain and the lock off the damn door we're gonna have a new champion here big show is unlocking the door I don't believe this. Big Show's gonna walk through the door and go to WrestleMania. He busted the chain. He's going to WrestleMania. Big Show is over the top rope. Bradshaw's stuck in the ring. Big Show's out of the ring. Big Show's out of the cage. Big Show is the new WWE 
champion, Big Show, is wow. going to WrestleMania. Can you believe it? The winner of this match and still WWE what? champion, John Bradshaw. Jimbo, what are you talking about? Now, listen, the real, what the hell are you talking about? Wait a minute. What? Where the hell did he come from? I don't, I don't know where anybody... I don't know how... How is JBL still the champion? How is JBL going to WrestleMania? Big Show ended up on a... Wait a minute. What's going on here? Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Big Show chokeslammed JBL all the way to the floor, right? Well, yeah, through the ring. Did he crawl? Did he crawl? I don't know. I don't I have no idea. I... Did the champion crawl? Well, he, he must have. He must have. He must have. I cannot believe this. I... JBL is still the champion. Big Show can't believe it. Uh, and I don't believe the assault is done yet. No, I don't think so either. And I, quite frankly, I don't blame the Big Show here. What big? Oh, and a right hand to the champion. I... So JPL, after being chokeslammed through the ring, crawls underneath the ring and escapes the cage. And you want to talk about a gutless way to win and a way to build heat. Like JPL was always, throughout his title reign, you had him literally get his ass beat, oftentimes covered in blood, and then either get pulled on top of an incapacitated opponent, interference, or in this case, literally crawling his way to escape in the cage. But this pay-per-view would not go off the air as such as Big Show starts attacking him in pure frustration. But how it would ultimately end would set the stage for WrestleMania 21's main event on the SmackDown side. The Big Show had won the WWE title. But apparently the champion got out of the cage first. Are you telling me that JBL got chokeslammed from the top rope through the ring and he crawled under it and, 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 and got out of the cage before Big Show did? That's what I'm telling you. Well, now JBL looks defenseless. And I understand that. I understand oh, that. Well, first off, here's the chokeslam. Being crawled out of the ring. Ladies and gentlemen, oh, here we go. the cabinet, Orlando Jordan of the Bashams assaulting the Big Show, trying to break the Big Show down, bringing Big Show to his knees here. That guy, the three on one right now, the Big Show's lost a ton of blood, he's getting stumped on. Whoa. The cabinet assaulting the Big Show. Each other for the title. 
triple threat match as we know batista would go on to choose to stay on monday night raw and challenge his mentor triple h and ultimately win the world heavyweight championship but at this time we were still under the impression that batista was strongly considering using his rumble victory to transfer over to smackdown and contend for the wwe championship and john cena sets the stage spot giving jbl a spine buster through the equipment beside uh, the Titantron. And you have kind of JB, uh, Batista and John Cena, rather, go off the air in a staring contest, kind of taunting one another who was going to be the next WWE champion. Obviously, it would be John Cena versus JBL, and John Cena would defeat JBL to end his historic nine-month r- title run and become the WWE champion for the first time. And people often forget that, that the first world title that John Cena ever won came defeating John Bradshaw Layfield. And that's something pretty historic because you think of all the guys that Cena defeated along the way to either win or defend successfully defend his world titles, whether that be Triple H, whether that be Edge, HBK, The Rock, Randy Orton, what have you. JBL was the first guy. He was the first guy to put over John, uh, John Cena. And he would never win another world title. He would get a run with the U.S. title, a run with the Intercontinental title, but never would get back into the world championship, full-fledged main event picture. But he is the longest-serving WWE champion, or was at least in SmackDown history until the current run that uh, Roman Reigns is on. But again, it gets kind of tricky, right? And I've talked about this with Matt because... Does the universal title now count as a world title? I guess so. But does John does JBL's run still, I guess, technically, does it still last? Because, or no, I guess it was broken by AJ Styles from 2017 to 2018. But it was a title run that stood the test of time for quite some time. And it was a historic run, even though it was his one and only. And I felt that uh, looking back on JBL's run, It was impromptu, it was a definite risk by WWE, but all in all, it was a very uh, successful title run, a very underrated title run, and one that helped get John Cena over, who would go on to carry the company for just about a decade. Anyway guys, I hope hope you enjoyed JBL's title run, because that's all I got for you today. As always, uh, you can get me on Twitter at adamarco25, you can get Matt on Twitter at wrestling underscore audio, or you can email him each and every week 
for the mailbag that drops Wednesday and sometimes Thursday if you overload. <laughs> anyway, guys, stay safe out there. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show or head to wwepodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to patreon.com slash WWE Podcast. Until then, we'll see you next time.